This is Boston Scott, and you're listening to the Birds Banter Podcast. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Birds Banter Podcast. This is your host, Matt Loopy, and this show is presented to you by PHLSportsNation.com. Another week's episode, another Eagles loss, very, very disappointing loss. I'm not going to waste too much time talking about the Eagles loss against the Giants. It was atrocious. Um, it wasn't fun to watch at many times. If you guys saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, a quick shout out to a couple of players. First of all, Boston Scott, um, the intro to our podcast. My favorite guest speaker we've ever had so far. I had him on back in May. So shout out Boston Scott. Huge game out of him. 56-yard touchdown run. Um, awesome stuff out of Boston Scott. I wanted him to get more involved in the offense. He got a chance, and he took it. Took it to the house. Um, three rushes, I believe, and ended up with a big touchdown there. Miles Sanders had a great game. The Eagles just did not use him as much as they should have. Under 20 carries, but he was averaging five or six yards per carry. Um, inexcusable. Needs to be better. Um, Richard Rodgers had a great game. I believe he's third or fourth in the Eagles uh, for receiving yards, and he was their third tight end going into the season. So Richard Rodgers, he's stepping up. Um, really a guy that flies under the radar because he's always been injured, hasn't been the lead guy for the Eagles because they have Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. But now with Zach Ertz down and Dallas Goddard hasn't really made an impact since he returned from that fractured ankle, um, two weeks ago against the Cowboys before the bye, Richard Rodgers has been the guy that Carson Wentz has been leaning on, along with Travis Fulgham. Fulgham didn't have uh, much of an impact against the Giants, but as you can see, he did have over 80% of snaps, so his impact is still there on the football field. The Eagles still love having him in there on offense. On defense, players I think had a good game. Um, Derek Barnett got in there for a sack. Brandon Graham has been solid. So far this year, I don't think that it has changed at all against the Giants. And then linebackers, Alex Singleton, I think he played a pretty good game. And um, one player, I mean, there's a ton of players who did not play well, uh, no doubt about it. But one player I want to point out who probably had his worst game of the season so far is Darius Slay. And he didn't have a terrible game. Um, I'm going to set that straight. I'm not saying that he gave up any ginormous plays here, there, like we've seen with the Eagles cornerbacks in the past big chunk plays because he did play solid for most of the game, but Daniel Jones and Darius Slayton did have a few connections over Darius Slay. One big back shoulder throw that Darius Slay just looked lost on. Slayton definitely had him beat. And, um, you know, this is Slay's first, I wouldn't say bad game, but um, when you look at all of them, it was definitely bad compared to the others. So I think this just goes to show you, you have to, you can't take Darius Slay for granted. He's coming in here with the Eagles, um, came via trade with the Lions. Eagles knew that they were getting a number one corner um, on their team, finally. Took years to, to get to this level. But they finally get a number one corner. And Slay has been fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He's been an awesome cornerback for the first half of the season. However, can't take it for granted. He's not going to be good every single game. Um, in a couple of weeks, the Eagles have to face DK Metcalf and the Seahawks. And I don't think Darius Slay is holding him for under 40 receiving yards. I, that's just... 
impossible, or not, I wouldn't say impossible because Jalen Ramsey just did it last weekend, um, but it's very difficult for most quarterbacks to do, especially somebody in this atrocious def- defensive scheme that Jim Schwartz is cooking up for us. So Darius Slay, great job this season, but it did regress a little bit against the Giants. So today, this week, we're going to take another solo podcast, just going to be me. And I've been getting on this trend with bringing on an Eagles guest speaker and then a guest speaker from the opposing um, team. We had a Giants speaker and a Cowboys speaker. We are going to pick that up next week. We're going to have a speaker come on, talk about the Eagles-Browns game, and then we're going to have a speaker come on, talk about the Eagles-Seahawks game the next week, following week. So we're going to get some guests on. Um, Have no fear. I just felt the need to take it on myself and talk about the coaching blunders for this Eagles offense and defense, really. The entire team has been struggling with the coaching, and um, I just want to have a conversation with you guys, give my thoughts before we get further into the season, before these um, you know inefficiency are, inefficiencies are exposed a little bit more, people are noticing them more, and it's going to be a widespread conversation. So I'm going to put my thoughts out there first. But we probably will have more conversations as the season goes on with other guest speakers because I don't think these uh, these coaching mistakes are going to be resolved anytime soon, unfortunately. If you guys have been listening every single week, last week I made an announcement that we were going to have a new Birds Banter film room coming out in the next couple of days. Unfortunately, that was canceled. I'm going to be... Um, honest with you about the guest speaker. I was really excited with it, but it, it will happen in the future. I just have to um, work around it. It is Temple linebacker George Reed. He has been recently named a starter linebacker for Temple. Um, Temple, I go to Temple, so have a connection with George Reed through that. And George was actually on the podcast um, back a couple of months ago. Him and a few of his teammates came on, and we talked about the Eagles drafting Sean Bradley, a little bit about uh, Sean Bradley as a player, as a teammate. So if you guys haven't checked that out, go check that out. Um, it was awesome to get an insider scoop on Sean as a player and as a you know a friend in the, in the locker room. So really excited to have George on. We're going to break down the Eagles linebacker play as well as Sean Bradley. Um, Temple is in season right now, so we try to work it out. It just wasn't working, so he's going to join after the season. Really excited for that. We're going to get that rolling. But in the meantime, I am filling up guests for uh, the remaining Birds Banter film room. So if you guys have been enjoying those, they will be back up and running very soon. So thank you for your patience. All right, so coaching. We're going to talk a lot about coaching today. Um, We talk about front office a little bit too. We'll get to that. But coaching, let's break it down in a timeline. I think the coaching mistakes have started back in 2017. In 2016 and 2017, the Eagles built a very, very good coaching staff around Doug Peterson. They bring Doug Peterson in in 2016. They bring in some awesome coaches around him. Jim Schwartz is the defensive coordinator. So everything was fresh. Everything was new. But they also had some really good coaches um, around Peterson that have left after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Frank Reich, John DeFilippo, which we will get to later. But although... The Eagles' offensive defense was clicking in 2017. It was great. I think this is when the problems really started because there were limited problems. You know, nobody really noticed them, but this is the root of the cause because this is the uh, comparison you can make. I'm going to take a look at a few players in the last 
two, three seasons who have been extremely underperforming. We're going to go case by case. Number one, Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas has been with the te- was with the team for four seasons. Um, and no, three seasons. And Rasul was a player that um, real tall, lanky corner, um, someone who's physical, someone that Jim Schwartz likes to have in his defense. Um, but he just kind of fell out of favor. Rasul Douglas was never the lead guy in the cornerback group and never really got a, a, a big shot at being a top corner. In training camp, he would always be performing. Everybody would talk about Rasul Douglas, breakout season, and then nothing would happen when he would step on the field. So Rasul Douglas, the Eagles end up cutting him in another corner who we're going to talk about in a second. Um, this past offseason, Rasul Douglas goes to Carolina, and he's been pre- playing pretty well. Early in the season, he was one of the best corners in the league. So Rasul Douglas um, and also Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones was another player in a similar situation. Drafted in 2017, he uh, was a second-round pick because he tore his Achilles in his pro day. Really unfortunate injury because Sidney Jones could have been a first-round pick had he not been injured. I mean, he was up there, up there with Marshawn Lattimore. Sidney Jones was kind of unique. He was an all-around great cornerback, defensive back, very aggressive, had a nose for the ball. Um, He was a bit smaller, but he was pretty quick. So Cindy Jones didn't really fit the exact mold that Jim Schwartz was looking for, but he was the talented corner that could fit into the system. And I got to tell you what, when you look at, I know Cindy Jones had a few big plays um, late last year, but when you look at his career with the Eagles in total, Cindy Jones did absolutely nothing, nothing. And again, like Rasul Douglas, everybody was hoping for him to step into a bigger role to improve as a player on the field every single offseason. Hey, this is Sidney Jones' breakout year. It's kind of like what we hear with Ben Simmons over with the Sixers. Um, People hype these players up so much because they want to see something out of them. You see a great play from Sidney Jones at training camp. Oh, wow, he's going to be the number one corner. Um, for the team, maybe even a Pro Bowl caliber corner. You see Ben Simmons make a three-point jump shot. Oh, Ben Simmons is the best point guard in the league. That's not how it works. Yes, practice is important. Practice is what gets these players to play better on the field. However, it's all staged. I mean, I wouldn't say it's staged, but you know, players can do well in practice, but it could lead to nothing on the field. And that's what we saw from Sidney Jones. Sidney Jones recently was cut this past offseason went to the Jacksonville Jaguars and had the best game of his entire career last week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. He um, picked off Aaron Rodgers. It was honestly a very bad throw by Aaron Rodgers, but Sidney Jones took advantage of it. Um, So no knock on him. I mean, if the ball's coming your way, you're going to make a play, and Jones did that. Two passes deflected. I think he had a forced fumble or fumble recovery, nine tackles, a career high in that department. So really great game out of Sidney Jones. He's been playing pretty solid all season long. Jacksonville loves him. So Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones, they were both a second-round pick and a third-round pick. And the Eagles did not get any value out of them. All of a sudden, we're halfway through the season, they're with other teams, and they've already got more value out of them than the Eagles ever did. Derek Barnett, former first-round pick. Derek Barnett has been picking up this year. Got to give him credit. I think he might be a candidate to stick around. Um, He's going to be approaching his fifth-year option next year. The Eagles can. They've already accepted their fifth-year option, but they can end up cutting him and uh, it not be 
too much of a financial commitment to them. Um, that's a little bit too in depth, but anyways, Derek Barnett, his his first three years, um, his rookie year was pretty solid. Then he had some injuries and couldn't stay on the field. wasn't that productive when he was on the field. But you know, it's another situation here. Um, Derek Barnett, first round pick and 14th overall. It's not like he was later in the later in the round and uh, could get some excuses there. He was a premier pick in the draft. I believe it was the second defensive end taken after Miles um, Garrett. It was those were the two first uh, defensive ends in that draft class. So Derek Barnett comes in, doesn't really make that big of an impact at all. All of a sudden, this year they start to discover, hey, let's put Derek Barnett in a two point stance. And I believe from what I'm watching, Derek Barnett mostly goes in a two point stance when they think it's going to be a um, a rundown and. Uh, I think it's just, you know, he wants to get off the ball quick, get in, plug the hole. Um, I could be wrong because I see it when the offense both passes and runs, but I'm trying to find the trend of when Derek Barnett is getting in this two-point stance. And he's been pretty successful with it. He's had um, a lot of tackles for loss with the two-point stance, but he's also had success with his hand in the dirt as well, the three-point stance. So Derek Barnett, he has been improving this year, but why is it taking that long? He was a draft selection in 2017. Injuries, he did miss, um, I believe, 10 games in total due to injuries, but that's not an excuse. Um, He should be better than what he is. He's been improving now, but three years. Come on, get it together. JJ, I think a white side. I'm going to start rolling through these a little bit more. JJ, I mean, come on. I mean, he's a healthy scratch now. He went from a second-round pick last year to now a healthy scratch year two in his career. The coaching staff has given up on him. He's given up on the team. I don't see him making it through with the Eagles for the entire season. There's really no future between JJ and the Eagles. And you know very well that as soon as the Eagles release him, either next year or the year after, whatever, JJ is going to have success somewhere. It's the same thing with Nelson Aguilar. Nelson was atrocious in 2019. Now he's one of the 49 or not the 49ers, the Raiders' best receivers. Um, it's amazing. He can track the ball well. He can win uh, jump balls. It, it's just, you know, there's a trend here. There's all these players who have been playing terribly with the Eagles, and then all of a sudden they get a different uh, change of scenery, some new coaches, new players around them, and they start to succeed. And not just a little bit of success. They are improving uh, night and day. So it makes you think this has got to be on the coaches. This year, uh, players that were highly, highly um, touted this past offseason, obviously Carson Wentz, we know, we've been talking about it. I'd spent pretty much the entire podcast last time talking about Carson Wentz. Um, he has not lived up to his standards. I know he's playing a little bit better, and you got to blame some of the coaches, but Carson Wentz, he's not looking like a franchise quarterback right now. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, again, for, uh, he's a uh, healthy scratch in week 10 against the Giants. Not a good sign for him and his future with the Eagles. Not a good sign for um, the coaches and how they developed him. I mean, it just, it's just terrible. Um, other players, Marcus Epps. He was supposed to have a big role with his defense. Hasn't really done anything special. Craig James. The Eagles held on to Craig James because they um, they believed in him and they got rid of Rasul Douglas and Sidney Jones because of that. Craig James is now in the IR for the second time this season. Is his season is likely over? Nate Gary, Nate Gary, I believe has been pretty underrated his entire career with the Eagles. Um, he he used to be a tackle machine. He was pretty solid. 
I really liked him, but this year he's been awful. Um, he's been on the IR for the past couple of weeks, but Nate Gary, another coaching blunder there on defense. How can you not um, have him improve? How did he regress that much? Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox is now graded the 112th corner out of 120 cornerbacks in the entire league. Extremely low on the list, Avante Maddox is. Um, everybody can see it when you're watching the football games. Avante Maddox fits the mold in the play style of a slot corner. And uh, the Eagles have been trying to force him into different roles. His rookie year, they tried to force him into a safety role. He played pretty well there. Then they tried to force him to outside corner. He played decent. Um, I remember when the Eagles played the Texans, Nick Foles was the quarterback. It was 2018. And Maddox kind of looked like he was locking up DeAndre Hopkins. But granted, DeAndre Hopkins was injured that week. And he was playing with a bad ankle or knee or something. Something was going on with him. So, Avante Maddox, I mean, how much was he, was it really him playing that well, or was it DeAndre Hopkins just wasn't 100%? So they tried putting him at outside corner, but if Maddox is going to stay with the Eagles, he's got to move inside. Um, that's a that's a bad evaluation on the coaches. Miles Sanders, this might come as a, a surprise. I think Miles Sanders is a great running back, don't get me wrong. He's definitely um, a three-down back that they've been missing. However, the coaches have not been putting him into a, a situation where he can succeed. His entire career, he has not had a game where he has over 20 carries in one game. Uh, that's It's mind-blowing for me because Miles Sanders is a three-down back, 100% all the way. He is up there. If he gets the looks, if he gets the touches per game, he is up there in the conversation with um, you know Dalvin Cook at, as far as yards per carry, Derrick Henry, and um, he has a dual threat ability like Alan Kamara. Yes, he might not be as talented as those running backs, but he can make an impact like them. Get Miles Sanders the ball, especially if Carson Wentz and the receivers are struggling. So these players I just ran through, they're all relatively young. The oldest of the, out of the group is Carson Wentz. Um, after that, we have recent draft picks, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Miles Sanders, uh, Avante Maddox wasn't brought in too, too long ago. Derek Barnett, um, you know, there's been a lot of players as of recently that have been drafted, brought in, and they haven't played to their potential. So I know this podcast is going to be talking about the coaches, but how much of it is against Howie Roseman in the front office? A lot of people out there love to bash Howie Roseman. They think he's an awful general manager and... Honestly, I think Howie has done a pretty decent job. He's not. 2017 was an extreme year. It was an anomaly. Um, he was executive of the year, no doubt about it. He made decisions for this team that all of them just hit, um, every single one. I don't think he had a bad decision that year other than drafting Sidney Jones. That entire draft class has been a bust now. Uh, Derek Barnett is kind of like coming out of, coming out of the woodwork and playing better, but that draft class was pretty bad, but granted, they brought in a lot of winners in free agency and uh, developed a lot of players that were younger at the time. So, Howie Roseman, um, how much how much is on him? And we saw a story a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks into the season, about something that went on between Howie Roseman and Jim Schwartz during the the draft process. 
So Howie is the general manager. He's going to be making the draft um, selections for the Eagles, but there are inputs from other front office ex- executives. There's input from um, the coaches, um, Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz, player. Or t- the coaches want to make sure that they're getting players that are going to fit the scheme and that they can work with. So although I'm saying that Harry Roseman has done a pretty good job, my concern with him comes from this um, you know, exchange with Jim Schwartz that was supposedly to happen. So Harry Roseman was set on drafting Jalen Rager, which I completely agree with. I love Rager. I think he's going to be fantastic. Um, if you guys have been caught up over Justin Jefferson and the Vikings, listen to this podcast carefully because all these players I'm talking about, offense and defense, the Eagles bring them in. They are highly touted draft prospects, and they do nothing. Then they go to another team, and they're fantastic. How do you think Justin Jefferson would be any different if the Eagles don't change their coaching? Justin Jefferson is not going to come in and put on a show like he just did against the Bears and earlier in the season, 180 yards, two touchdowns, whatever he has done. This would not happen with the Eagles. Honestly, he'd probably be hurt by now, uh, given the Eagles' luck with injuries. So give it a rest. Justin Jefferson is not an Eagle. Jalen Rager is. Support the players that are on your team. Who cares? Um, just appreciate Justin Jefferson. He's a great receiver in the NFL. He's a great younger receiver. Appreciate DK Metcalf. I've I've talked about this before. 31 teams. Honestly, if the Seahawks had a first-round pick that year, then 32 teams passed on DK Metcalf. Think about it that way. DK Metcalf was a projected top 10 pick in many people's opinion. Because of his injury history, he had a bad neck injury in college, and um, his three-cone drill at the Combine, a lot of teams did not see him as a first-round pick anymore, and it showed. He slid to the second round, and now all of a sudden everybody's thinking, oh, the Eagles made a huge mistake because they drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. D.K. Metcalf, in my opinion, um, is a top-three receiver in the NFL right now this year and going forward. Anybody in the league would love to have DK Metcalf. If they go back to the 2018 draft, uh, 2019 draft, I'm sorry, anybody would say, with our first or second round pick, I wish we took DK Metcalf. I would say 20 teams in the league would say that right now. So a little bit of tangent there. But anyways, apparently what happened with Jim Schwartz and Harry Roseman was Jim Sh- or Harry Roseman wanted Jalen Raker. He wanted him in the first round. He got him. However, Jim Schwartz wanted Patrick Queen. Or no, he wanted Kenneth Murray, um, linebacker from Oklahoma. And it's it's kind of, um, it's, it's all kind of blends together because Jim Schwartz has said before, hey, we can't invest to every single position on defense. There's always going to be a weak point. The weak point on offense was always running back until they got Miles Sanders. The weak point on defense was always corner but now it's linebacker so the linebackers have been lacking but it looks like Jim Schwartz made an extreme push to get Kenneth Murray and if he didn't get Kenneth Murray he could have got Patrick Queen those were the two best linebackers um, in the draft class and either one of them could have been eagle and made a pretty significant contribution um, to the uh, defense so how we got his way and I think all of these coaches and front office executives, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, Jim Schwartz, I think they're all pretty stubborn from what I've heard. I have not met one of them 
personally. I don't know what they're like in the office, but I think they all want to get their way. They don't really work well together, and um, it's causing a lot of struggle with this team, and it's causing them to be a 3-5-1 and one team right now. Again, I think Howie has been a decent um, G- GM for the Eagles, but if he can't work with the team and find prospects that are actually going to fit, then you're not going to have a job. And if the coaches can't see positives out of a receiver like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who, yes, he wasn't the best receiver in that draft class by any means, but if you look back at his tape with Stanford, he was a productive receiver. He does have a lot of positive attributes to him. If they can't find ways to integrate him and improve him on the football field, that's on coaching as well. It goes hand-in-hand between the GM and the coaches. The rest of the podcast, we're going to talk about Jim Schwartz and Doug Peterson briefly, talk about what they've been doing at coaching, um, their struggles, and kind of put some sense to all this. But before, I want to remind you guys about our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is a sports fantasy betting app. You're going to bet on your favorite players, the best players at um, you know every every sport, every position. You got it. There's uh, fantasy prop bets. You're going to bet on players to score a certain amount of fantasy points, over-unders, over-unders on yards, touchdowns, you name it, they got it. Head to Thrive Fantasy, use code BBP for an instant deposit match of up to $50 when you bet $20 or more. So it's free money coming right to your account. Make some bets, bet on your favorite players, and win some money. Prop up today with Thrive Fantasy. Again, that's code BBP. All right, Jim Schwartz, we've talked about it time after time here on the Birds Banter podcast. We've also talked about it on the Instagram lives time after time because people want to know what is up with Jim Schwartz. This has been a conversation for the past three seasons, honestly, and I think now is the end. Jim Schwartz will not be the defensive coordinator in 2021. I don't want to say you heard it here first because people have been saying this every year since 2018. It's been a common trend among Eagles fans, and the one thing that has held me true to uh, to Jim Schwartz is his ability to have a blow up game on defense, and then the next game, it looks like it's an entire different, entirely different group out there. And when I see that, I'm thinking, hey, Jim Schwartz, he can make adjustments. He's a great coach. He can do this. But then I'm thinking to myself now, when I see it in 2020, when the defense is costing them games, can't hang with these good offenses. Like, if you can make an adjustment in the next game, why can't you make an adjustment in-game? Why are you watching Daniel Jones run in a read option for a 34-yard touchdown, and then, honestly, he could have done it again. There was a holding penalty, or something got called back for the Giants. Daniel Jones almost had two rushing touchdowns, when just a few short weeks ago, Daniel Jones took a read option 80 yards almost to the house against the Eagles. If it wasn't for him tripping, he was going in untouched. So, Jim Schwartz, how are you not making adjustments in game? We saw this against the Steelers. Chase Claypool completely destroyed the Eagles defense. Jim Schwartz, that's on you. So, also another thing, why are the Eagles playing off ball still? You brought in Darius Slay. Trust Avante Maddox. I know he's been a rough corner this year. Give him help. Put a safety over him. Double cover. Whatever you need to do. Darius Slay should not be playing five yards off the receiver. He is not a cornerback that should 
or deserves to do that. Darius Slay is a top cornerback in this league. He excels when he's up there pressing the receiver. I don't care what scheme you're calling. Darius Slay has to be in man coverage. That is where he's going to excel. That is what you're paying him top dollar to do. You restructured his contract. You traded a third and fifth round pick for him. Play him the way he needs to be played. Linebackers, they're always exposed. Um, last week, I told I told you that Alex Singleton had a pretty big game, but other than that, you know, Nate Gary has been terrible. Davion Taylor, third-round pick, hasn't really gotten on the field much at all. TJ Edwards, he was banged up a little bit. Um, he's pretty good in run defense, but other than that, he's, he's not that great. And uh, Duke Riley, he's been up and down. Sean Bradley is good in run defense, but, man, I would do... I would do anything to have a uh, three-down linebacker, a backer that can do everything for this Eagles defense, call plays, stop the run, cover some tight ends and running backs out of the backfield, blitz the quarterback. Please, Eagles, you're not going to compete in the playoffs. Take the top 10 pick and do whatever you can to get Micah Parsons on the Eagles. Please, I'm begging you. Um, Getting Micah Parsons in a better linebacker and some new coaches is much more beneficial than getting playoff experience this year. Trust me, um, I would love to see the Eagles in the playoffs. I love seeing them in the playoffs for the past three years, but this year it's just not its not working. Avante Maddox, like I said, he's been terrible this year. Um, why is that? Why is he regressing so much? What Make the adjustment. Um, the Eagles set up a defensive back group with very, very little outside corners. If the Eagles had more outside corners, if they kept someone like Rasul Douglas or Sidney Jones, I would say 100% move Avante Maddox inside because, to be honest with you, Nikel Roby Coleman and Craven LeBlanc have not lived up to my expectations. LeBlanc has played better than Roby Coleman, no doubt about it. Roby Coleman has been a major disappointment so far for this Eagles defense and the team as a whole. LeBlanc has not been the player that people know and love him for he's kind of regressed a bit himself so honestly i would put maddox in inside but they have nobody to replace him with outside you can go with craig james who they love this offseason but too bad he's probably out for the year right now going on the ir for the second time this season michael jaquet um he got banged up a little bit and he was a practice squad player wouldn't expect too much out of him so the inability to integrate and get the most out of City Jones and Rasul Douglas is really catching up to Jim Schwartz right now because you see them playing well with Carolina and Jacksonville, and that could have been with the Eagles right now. They really need an outside corner outside of Darius Slay. I know it's it's nice to have a top corner on the outside. This is the first time the Eagles have had a solid corner in years, ever since Asante Samuel. Um, I believe he left in 2011 or 2012. So it's been eight years since they've had a top corner, but it just goes to show you, you need help on both sides um, because teams are just going to pound the ball to the the weakness uh, with Avante Maddox over there. So um, last thing about Jim Schwartz, the defensive line. It's not as good as it used to be. Fletcher Cox, the way that um, analysts and broadcasters whatever, talk about Aaron Donald, that is the way that people used to talk about Fletcher Cox. And Fletcher Cox used to be this dominant force 
any double team he could break up. Single coverage, it's over. He's going to get to the quarterback no matter what. Even if the ball comes out, that quarterback is ending on the ground. Fletcher Cox is not what he's used to be. Last year, he played off because he's injured. He was recovering from an injury. He wasn't 100%. This year, as far as we know, he's fully healthy. And um, he was banged up a little bit at the start of the season. But as far as we know, he's good to go right now. Why are you not performing? Is that on coaching? Um, the other defensive tackles, Malik Jackson has been good. Javon Hargrave, he's been a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say big disappointment, but a, a disappointment to say to say the least um, because the Eagles signed up the top dollar this past offseason. Um, Derek Barnett, we've talked about him a little bit. Vinny Curry, he's up there in age, so um, it's not like he's going to be your full-time starter. Josh Sweat has actually been pretty good, but... Man, the defensive line is not what it used to be, especially in run defense. Eagles used to not let anybody run over them. Now Wayne Gallman is running all over the Eagles. Inexcusable. Jim Schwartz, unfortunately, your time is over and with Philadelphia. Now the hot topic, Doug Peterson. Man, we got a lot to talk about with Doug. Before I tell you if I think Doug Peterson should be the head coach of the Eagles, I want to remind you of our sponsor, Manscaped, are you looking for the perfect gift for your partner this holiday season? We have the perfect package for his perfect package. The perfect package 3.0 by Manscaped is the number one gift for all year long. Inside, you'll find the Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best men's below the belt grooming trimmer, which can also be used on any part of the body. Harry Chester back, look no further. Harry down there, the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is designed to reduce cuts and makes for a smoother trim. This 7,000 RPM trimmer helps reduce Manscaped accidents around the world. In addition, you'll find other liquid formulations inside the perfect package, like the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, and Reduced Chafing Boxer Briefs. These formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know your manhood is in good hands. Save 20% off and free shipping with code PHL at manscaped.com. Give your testes the besties with Manscaped. All right, we're going to wrap this up with Doug Peterson. Should he stay? Should he go? Should he take a different role? What is it going to be? A lot of people have very mixed opinions on this, and if you guys joined us for Birds Banter Live last night or two nights ago, Monday night, 8 p.m. every single week. We talked a little bit about Doug Peterson, so you got a taste of what this conversation is going to be. I'm going to come out from the get-go and say I'm okay with Doug Peterson being the head coach. However, he cannot, I repeat, cannot be the play caller for the Philadelphia Eagles. No way, shape, or form. Doug Peterson, you can be the head coach but you cannot be the play caller. I'm going to explain this why. Um, Doug Peterson is a great coach to have for culture. I believe te- the team loves playing for him. I believe players believe in him. I think they like playing for him. Um, you know, the Super Bowl run would have never happened without Doug Peterson. You can say it's Nick Foles and um, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. You can say it's the players all you want. But the amount of adversity they went through, the coach never lost faith. He never lost sight of the goal. Doug Peterson was the one that everybody rallied around and was the one that they won the Super Bowl around. 
that shows how much of a good guy for culture he is. And winning teams always have a good culture. Doug Peterson can set that up. However, we saw after 2017, the Eagles defense, you can't see me right now, but my hand is going down in a steep decline like I'm skiing down the mountain. It started up at the top. Frank Reich, he was having a big input on the game planning, the uh, the play calling. And then all of a sudden, Frank Reich on to bigger and better things as head coach with the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Reich left, and so did the Eagles offense. It's been bland. It's been slow. It's been predictable. It's been bad. Um, in 2018, everybody's saying, hey, I mean, listen, I stood up for Doug Peterson in 2018, and for everybody that I stood up against who said that Frank Reich was the reason that the Eagles had success, I'm going to come up and apologize, even if we didn't speak about it directly. You were right. You were ahead of all of us. So I apologize. Um, I want to defend my quarterback and my coach as much as possible because I know it's hard to find good quarterbacks and good head coaches. But after these past few games, after the season, I'm thinking enough's enough. I'm looking at the root of the cause. And that's that Frank Reich left, and the Eagles have been awful on offense ever since then. And you can use the excuse, um, you know, Doug Peterson, you know, this or that. You know, he's a good coach. He won the Super Bowl. But, yeah, look what's around him. Look what's changed. Those coaches left. Reich, Reich left. Filippo left. Doug Peterson is left with different coaches. He's bringing up Press Taylor. He's got Deuce Staley. And he signed some different head coaches. Um, you know, why have we not heard about these other coaches? In press conference, I don't see Doug giving shout-outs to Deuce Staley, Aaron Moorhead, Rich Scangarello, Andrew Briner. Deuce has been here for a while, but these other coaches, they were just brought in this year. I don't see Doug Peterson giving them any credit towards, hey, Rich Scangarello just put this amazing play into the game plan. We used it against the Giants. That's what elevated us on this drive. You know, where is it? That's why I'm saying I think Doug, Jim Schwartz, and Harry Roseman all have a bit of an ego issue. They always want to be right. They always want their way to happen. And it's causing the team to struggle. It's causing a lot of negative things with this team. So I think Doug Peterson, he can be the head coach because he's a good culture guy, but he needs to surround himself with better coaches. He needs to have better offensive coaches, give up his play calling abilities. It might be something that's hard for him to do because um, you know, in his mind, he won a Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl caliber winning coach, but um, you know, all of a sudden, three years later, he's given up play calling abilities. That that kind of hurts his ego. There, get over it. If you want your team to succeed, this is the best thing for them to do. If you guys remember years ago, before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, Michael Lombardi said that Doug Peterson was the least qualified head coach that he has ever seen, and it's crazy because. A couple months ago, um, actually last month in October, this group that I'm involved with at Temple, the sports business group, we actually had a conference call with Michael Lombardi. And um, as a big Eagles fan, that was the first thing I thought of. I was like, hey, I want to talk about Doug Peterson with him. And everybody's like, no, no, not appropriate. So I kept my mouth quiet, but somebody else, a guest on the call, he called him out for it. He said, um, you know, look, what, you said this about Doug Peterson. Um, he won a Super Bowl. And 
as much as I want to hold that against Michael Lombardi and say, hey, you were wrong. The Eagles won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. You know what? He might be right. Doug Peterson is a great guy for culture, but culture can only get you so far. Um, the Eagles might have a good culture right now on the base level, but if they're not, they're not winning games, if they don't have the coaches to bring talent, that culture is de- going to diminish like that. You know, you're not going to have a good culture around you if you continue to lose games. If you're 3-5-1, and one, there's no winning culture. There's no positive culture. Doug Peterson admitted after the game, everybody was deflated. They were exhausted that they lost that game. They were so mad at themselves. All that preparation, they went in to the game, and they lost by two scores. Disappointment all across the locker room. That does not create culture. If the Eagles are winning, if they have better coaches around Doug Peterson to make sure that they're winning football games and at the top of the NFC East by a bigger margin than half of a football game, like they should, then the winning culture is going to come in. Doug Peterson is going to excel there. But you can't have a winning culture, a positive culture, when you're 3-5-1 and one, and your quarterback is playing them on one of the worst in the league. So that's why I think Doug Peterson can be a head coach, but he cannot be a play caller. He needs an offensive coordinator around him. This was his, his choice. He wanted to be the offensive coordinator. He wanted to bet on himself. Doug Peterson, I'm sorry, it failed. You bet on yourself, and you failed. You lost whatever it took. Doug Peterson, you can be my head coach, but you cannot be the Eagles play caller. Let's take it as that. Offense looks bland. There's no motion. There's no getting Wentz out of the pocket. Things that they promised this past offseason, it's not there. Wentz, I think he needs a legit quarterback coach. And one thing I thought of the other day, Doug Peterson seems like this nice guy. You know, he wants to make everybody happy. And one knock on him as a head coach before was he couldn't teach his coaches how to coach. Or couldn't coach his coaches how to coach. A lot of word coaches there. But anyways, the the point of that is Peterson was he was all powerful. Like he didn't want to be hard on anyone. When the wide receiver coach um, at the time, uh, Mike Groh, he was failing to integrate Golden Tate, Nelson Aguilar. They were having poor season seasons with the Eagles. Doug Peterson wouldn't go up to Mike and say, hey, Mike, get it together. Coach these guys better. That was not his his style. Now he might be a little bit more frustrated. He might be more um, prone to do that. But at the time, the Eagles were riding that Super Bowl high. Doug Peterson didn't think he had to get too involved. So he has the stigma of being a nice guy. Doug Peterson's the nice guy. You know, the saying, like, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Like, Doug Peterson, you need to be no more Mr. Nice Guy. Because here's another thing that he's done. They have brought back Darren Sproles and Connor Barwin into front office, front office positions. They've brought back Jason Avant to a coaching position. And one knock on the Eagles as of recently has been they love latching on to former players. They brought back Jason Peters. They brought back Deshaun Jackson. Both failed experiments. Um, They kept trying to bring back Darren Sproles. Failed experiment every single season, ever since the Super Bowl year. And their ability to not, you know, their inability to move on from these players really hurts them. But now, instead of keeping them on as players... They're bringing them back as coaches. And as much as we love Connor Barwin, we love Jason Devon, we love Darren Sproles, are they the most qualified guys for the position? Just because they played in Midnight Green does not mean that they are the most qualified. So 
you know, you got to make the best decision for your football team. You can't make it because you like them as a player or uh, you want all the power, whatever it is. You saw where this is getting you. You wanted to be the offensive coordinator. You wanted to bring in these different coaches, whether they're former players or guys that are just having no input at all, like Andrew Briner. The Eagles are 3-5-1. and one. The only thing that has changed since the Super Bowl year, the Eagles, talent-wise, they've, they've remained talented, no doubt about it. Um, on paper, this team, fully healthy, is a Super Bowl team. Don't. Don't even debate it. It's true. The only thing that has changed since the Super Bowl year is coaching. Coaching is destroying this team. And changes have to be made. It has to be made in this this, this upcoming offseason if the Eagles want to be a contender once again and make the playoffs. Get some draft selections into Philly. Get some better players. Get some better coaches. And this team will blow up like no other. All will be well in Philly. That's what I got for today's episode. Again, Burgers Banter Podcast every single Wednesday at midnight. Make sure you check it on your favorite podcast platform. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure you go on Apple Podcasts, go to the bottom, give us a five-star rating and review. It helps us out a ton. Check us out on our website. We're just on, on, uh, launching this website, and I'm really excited for it. You're going to get all your Birds Banter content in one place. So, again, thank you so much for all the support. I'll catch you next time. Eagles, Browns, Sunday, 1 p.m. Make sure you're tuned in. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Go Birds.